Welcome to Cocoons of Horror, the podcast where we review classic horror films and other pulp fiction. Today we take a look at the blockbuster sequel to the film Alien, Aliens. Sigourney Weaver and her tiny underwear are back, but this time she has a team of Marines who vary from super tough to Bill Paxton. Also, hella aliens. With me, as always, is Dr. Anthony LaDon. Oh, goodness. Bill Paxton. We will never see his like again. I know. Steve, what is your relationship with James Cameron? Um, I think I've seen a lot. I mean, he has a lot. I was just looking at his list today of just his directed movies. Right. He's kind of a hit or miss... I mean, he's missed a lot. <laughs> he's he's missed a lot. Um, I don't know. He's like one of these guys where it's like you could rewatch Avatar and you may not enjoy it, but damn, it made a lot of money. <laughs> oh, Same yeah. thing about t- Titanic, right? It's like mm, right. maybe it's not your thing. Man, that guy makes a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he. I actually thought he was. He had directed more movies. Yeah, me too. He's produced a lot. I mean, he's obviously he's produced a lot. Uh, he's a writer on a lot. A writer for Rambo. That's right. Which I did not know. That's right. I, I did not know that about the the Rambo franchise. He produced a few of the sequels. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I I enjoyed True Lies, and I I I think that T two is maybe the best action uh, movie ever. Um. So it's like. You might have an opinion about him, right. and I, I might have opinions about him, but I think he wins. I think in the end, my opinion doesn't win. Yeah, yeah. I mean, financially speaking, of course, right? Just especially just looking at the directed ones. Um, yeah. Like I, I don't remember if Piranha Two is the one I've seen of the Piranha franchise. Um, <laughs> I've not seen any of the Piranha. I, I, I know I saw the one where they fly. Oh well, sure. Why not? So I think that might be three. <laughs> that sounds about right. You I don't want to get too caught up. Don't make the fish fly until the third sequel. Right. No, I mean otherwise it would just like like it would be jumping the piranha as they say. Um <laughs> I mean look, he I think if you just give me T2 I feel like I'm going to be fond of whatever. I mean I'm going to be fond of your legacy no matter what. Because it's yeah. not like these other movies are misses. They're, they're beloved, they're beloved movies. And mm-hmm. it just so happens that, you know, they might like Titanic might be, not be my jam, but he's undeniable. This guy, if you want a movie to make money, that's your guy. You could almost say he's like the king of the sequels in the sense that Aliens 2 is, I think, is fantastic. T2 is mm-hmm. pretty fantastic. I guess. We have to. The jury's still out on the second Avatar. Do you do you have do you have designs to see the second Avatar movie? I didn't like Avatar. Oh, so you didn't like the first one, right? So I heard that the second one is um is very much like the first one. 
Yeah, well, that's maybe kind of the idea, give it right? another try. Give, I mean, give, why not try again? Uh, it's a, it's a, I mean, to me, Avatar is maybe the uh, most exciting screensaver ever put to to film. <laughs> It, it is it's it's a beautiful it's a big old cartoon which is fine make a big old cartoon if you want but don't 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 suggest to me that this is this is you know new new territory here right i didn't hate avatar i didn't feel like i didn't really understand why it was the success it was right um but i didn't hate it does so okay so let's so all right so yep i was right piranha 2 is the one where they fly uh and uh-huh. and yeah it was excellent so i mean that's that's an impressive thing right so he makes piranha 2 in 82 and people are kind of like hey, i don't know and then he but then he's pitching the script for the terminator and then people are getting like get wind of that and i guess he's been working on a, a aliens uh mm-hmm. script like kind of in that process uh so terminator sort of gets him like i mean obviously it's a it's a it's it's quite good it's 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 you know for a time travel movie which you know I'm not always a big fan. Mm-hmm. I was into it. I, I, I dug it. Um, so I had seen, you know, I'd seen. Tony I mean, that's I never... an action movie. I mean, that's I for me, the time travel part of it is kind of secondary. I, I think it works better as an action movie than a sci-fi movie. In my yeah, mind. it's definitely an action film. I mean, it, but I think that there, I mean, the, I, to me, I always saw that as a sort of pretty decent sci-fi in an action film. Mm-hmm. Um and then, so I didn't see Aliens when it came out because I hadn't seen Alien yet. So I wasn't all that. And I was, and I was probably at that age where I'm like, a female lead, boo. Um, <laughs> and then the Abyss came out, and I but remember her name is Sigourney. Yeah, I know. So it sort of throws you off the scent. So the uh, the the Abyss comes out, and it was like an Entertainment Tonight darling. Like they just couldn't stop talking about like the liquid faces and right. gal's faces liquid and i'm just like so i went to go see it and uh it's a snooze man it is i i remember yeah every, i remember being a bit disappointed with the abyss because there was a lot of hype around it for i think you know because i mean hey he terminator aliens and and then so then he takes that technology the the liquid faces and then he sort of cranks it up a notch to make terminator 2 right right, right, right. um which you know, obviously, that was a that was a massive hit for us. Uh, but it's just interesting. Like I thought, I guess I just thought that they'd be peppered in with more Cameron. But like he he takes his you know it takes like a few years and mm-hmm. comes out with something and and uh, there was a lot of time off between Titanic and Avatar. And I've mm-hmm. never seen Titanic, and uh, I doubt I ever will. You've never seen Titanic? No, I kind of think I know how it, how how it goes. <laughs> And I like True Lies. I revisited True Lies. And I think it's it's. I don't know if I don't know if it holds up, but I mean, it holds up in a way that a uh, like a big uh, '90s action movie would. Um, yeah, again, I see. didn't hate True Lies. I mean, it, it was yeah. it was certainly fun. Yeah, there's a few misses here. There's a lot of movies that maybe aren't my thing, but you, I mean, most people like them. It seems like right. And uh, and then of course you give me both T two and Aliens and I'm I'm pretty happy. Right. So see, I like Terminator, uh, the first one quite a bit. I watched uh-huh. that a ton when I was a kid. Have you have you have you rewatched the first Terminator recently? Oh yeah. Well, I don't recently, but it's uh it's pretty rough in a few parts. I mean, it's uh. <laughs> 
It's not the it's not the best movie of the day. Well, and you figure that's like his like kind of his coming out party. It's a pretty uh-huh. it's a pretty solid. Uh, it's, I mean, it's, it's certainly a solid movie. I I don't want to say it's it's I didn't like Terminator, but I I certainly have different eyes for it now than I did when I was a kid. Uh, T two holds up like a champ, man. I mean, as far as action movies go, uh, if if you like action movies, guaranteed you'll like T two. Yeah, I will say that Edward Furlong does a lot to try to make you not want to watch that movie again. <laughs> okay. Yeah, what, but what, what is this? What is this Hollywood nickname? Not Furlong, because man, <laughs> that didn't last, did it? <laughs> yeah. So I mean, it's yeah. I, I, he's it's interesting because he strikes me as a like I don't know like I mean I'm sure he's very meticulous and all this, but like the, the, he comes off as if like he's 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 creating these these think pieces right yeah yeah yeah. and and they're not i mean they're they're entertaining they're entertaining as all hell that's for sure um and he's not i mean like so so without having seen titanic and it's been so long since piranha 2 i don't feel like he does a great job of developing characters right like so let me just say this on that point i feel like Bill Paxton should go in the overacting Hall of Fame. Oh, for this for this film, yeah, man. In fact, I'm I'm gonna put him on my overacting Mount Rushmore. Well, that's great. That's just fucking great, man. Now what the fuck are we supposed to do? Where's the real pretty shit now, man? You finished. That's it, man. Game over, man. It's game over. What the fuck are we gonna do now? What well, are we, we talked a lot about. Maybe we can... uh, You know, Ron Howard on this podcast. Sometimes. Bill Paxton will do a movie where he doesn't overact. For instance, like in Apollo 13, I don't think that Bill Paxton is overacting, but I kind of feel like that's a miss. Mm. If you're going to hire Bill Paxton, you got to expect overacting. In fact, you got to encourage overacting. That's that's the whole reason you get. Yeah, that's why. Right. I mean, he's uh, (laughs) he's he's one of the best at doing that thing. Just look at weird science. <laughs> I I cannot I cannot look at Bill Paxton and not think of Chet as a giant turd. Please turn me back to normal, please. I haven't done anything to you. No, but you've done plenty to your brother. Like what? Well, let me see. Uh, you've nagged him, huh? harassed him, please. suppressed him, <laughs> kept him in fear Come of you, on. extorted money from him. It's done out of love. Just for that, I ought to give you a set of elephant balls. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's amazing. Yeah, no, and so he's well. Here's the funny thing: is that Bill Paxton had to really stand out to be the overactor in Aliens. Because I mean, <laughs> Vasquez. I mean, <laughs> Vasquez is pretty good. All right, now let me ask you this about Vasquez. Vasquez has the the bandana right so she's kind of like right. a she's she's a trope you know she's sort yeah. of like the the female character who's kind of hot but she kind of reads you know with like machismo right and, you know so you got this kind of like squad of badasses right right and so you're going to need you're going to need a Vasquez in the bunch but it's the bandana that does it for me i feel like that's that's what gets you in the 90s there were multiple ways that you could wear a bandana, and I know because I used to wear bandanas. If you let that fold inch up to like three or four inches, 
it conveys a whole different sense. It's it's less badass and more like I want to keep my unkempt hair out of my eyes. Mm-hmm. She's got that band at a, at a tight two inches, and if you wear it at a tight two, that's, that's the optimal width for a badass. So it's it's really it's about how how much of your forehead it actually covers up that will convey that sense of badassery. So I don't know if you've given this any thought, but I've given it a lot of thought. Um, no, because I think I was more concerned with the fact that uh, Vasquez is played by Jeanette Goldstein, <laughs> and she's basically in like brown face the whole time no 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 she's not yeah she's she's got like she's got a tan she's not she's had her skin darkened for the role she's got contacts in (laughs) come on don't do this to my movie i really enjoy (laughs) i'm not here i'm not here to to tear down jeanette goldstein uh she also you don't know maybe her maybe her mother's maiden name was vasquez this is I'm not gonna judge. Jeanette I mean, Goldstein. her. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, I just want to say, look, so the, the bandana. <laughs> I, I, I really do want to talk about the. I feel like the important thing of in this conversation is the bandana, and so I, I want to make sure I finish my. She does on play this. an Irish mother in Titanic, so she works with him like. <laughs> She's Irish and Titanic. Yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah, she's basically <laughs> James Cameron's Rob Schneider. So <laughs> returning to the bandana conversation, I feel like <laughs> I feel like you could if you just do that one fold where it's just like a big floppy point in the back, sort of conveys a sense of domesticity. Which I think you probably would want to wear if you were an Irish mother, uh, right? Right. So that's more she was. She's getting more typecast for her for her bandana <laughs> usage. Right. So I think that she probably is not in brown face. It's just that the it's the width of that bandana that gives off the illusion right. that she's Latina. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you probably and, and the name Vasquez perhaps was that maybe an effort. <laughs> The name Vasquez that they use as her first name. Was it the context? Was it was it the painting over her freckles? Uh-huh. Which one was it? That, yeah, I'm telling you that the bandana does a lot. Like, yeah, her name was actually <laughs> Goldsmith, but uh, because of the bandana, you heard. It's like a universal translator. <laughs> you heard yeah. Vasquez. Yeah, yeah. No, I get it. I get it. Yeah. No, I mean, <laughs> yeah. It's uh. It, it's a slide ahead, is what you're saying. Like it just it goes sort of. It's it's a magic. It's it's close up magic, is what it is. Yeah, that's right. Okay. <laughs> Cameron Cameron's better than I realized. I mean, his his the Avatar world that he created was actually through Vasquez. All right, so a, a little bit more on Avatar here because I think that's that, why wouldn't we talk about that? We're we, we, we had, well, you know, we talked about brown face. Now that we should probably talk about blue face. <laughs> so, exactly. Yeah. So so it feels like to me. American exceptionalism, your thoughts. <laughs> you got to kind of like be all in on CGI to go watch a movie like Avatar, right? Mm-hmm. And this movie stands out to me because it's really old school effects. Practical, it's old school, yeah. you know, models. I I loved it. I mean, I, I was watching this thinking, this is the good old days, man. Yeah. So James Cameron really put together a really amazing space action film. And it's almost like 
he he's now sort of like the CGI king. Right. And so there's there's something that I'm kind of lamenting. I'm like old old man lament when it right. comes to these things. Well, and I'm sure his argument would be like, hey, we were dealing with being on the forefront of even practical effects. And so like, as soon yeah. as now the next thing comes along, it's like, I want to be I want to be ahead of the curve as much as I possibly can. Right, right, right. So what's the next thing? Right. So that's and that's the the, the logical step, I guess. Right. Um, I was watching some of the uh, do- a little documentary about the making of this film. And a lot of it was just talking with the practical effects guys. And one of the things that they were saying is we you know, we are trying to help the actors. The more grotesque this monster looks, the more you're going to get out of the actor. Mm. I don't know. Maybe maybe this is just, just me kind of reminiscing or whatever. But it is interesting that this is an excellent movie uh, for practical effects. And uh, it's done by James Cameron, who's now CGI yeah. king. Well, I mean, so we talk about the Star Wars prequels, right? And like mm-hmm. the question that, you know, we kept on wrestling. Well, one of the many questions was like, is George Lucas a bad director or is this just too much green screen? And you're asking too much of actors because like, oh, and some of it, like I think in, was it Attack of the Clones? Like the overwhelming majority is is green screen. Mm-hmm. And so you're asking, you know, you're asking a lot of actors, right? I mean, that's because, uh, you know, when you get what's my motivation, it's like it's all in your head right now. You know what I mean? It's like it, right. there's something about that I think that is going to lend itself to probably a little bit more of a a, a wooden, um, you know, uh, performance. And so it's so it's hard to say, right? But then you could say, okay, well, a better director maybe pull that out or makes other other decisions. So it kind of still goes back to um, to Lucas because he makes he's making these decisions, right? That's right. And I do enjoy a good green screen, you know, in my superhero movies or whatever. But I do. But I guess what I'm saying is. For a movie like this, and maybe maybe part of my appreciation for this movie is be is a little bit of the nostalgia of that era of sci-fi. You know, it's the same era that brought me Empire Strikes Back. So there is something about this movie that might even work better for me now than it did way back in the day. Uh, but how, how do you feel about green screen? Do you care? I mean, do you appreciate it? Are you or are you like a hardcore old school guy when it comes to this thing um i i find myself somewhere in the middle my thing is 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 i i'm not as impressed by effects anymore like now we just expect them you know and it's it's uh it's come to the point now where it's like as soon as we got out of uh using claymation or stop motion for Uh our dinosaurs and now i'm just like i expect every dinosaur to look like a dinosaur as far as i'm concerned so I don't I don't get as moved by it. I think I I'm actually a little effects uh I'm getting effects intolerant. Like I don't like mm-hmm. now the more effects in a movie, the the less I'm 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 interested. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and maybe You've that's been an desensitized. Thing. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, look at all this. Look at like when I so when I see an Avengers movie after a while, I'm just like, this feels like just it's just sensory overload. Um and I think that's one of the things about aliens, like maybe that that we hearken to that we're like, hey, this brings me back to a time when I appreciated maybe films a little bit differently. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with you're you're having to go into these small spaces, right? So I think James Cameron is is an interesting director for this type of thing because he tends to do things a little bigger. Yeah. And one of the one of the things that makes Alien so uh compelling is 
how you're in the vastness of space, but the vastness of space is actually creating a claustrophobia, right? Because it's created. Yeah, you're in a little tin can floating. You're in a little tin can, so you have nowhere to get to, right? So you're stuck in this in this area. So this one expanded it a little bit, um, but it but it, it did go. It did stay true to that. Like, look, we're gonna have like ducting. You're gonna have to get through, and and so we're, yeah, that. So I appreciated that um, he was able to do. Uh, I think he showed a, a little bit more chops, I guess, than maybe sometimes I give him credit for because he's such a big director um, that there is, you know, there's a lot to this film, but he does, uh, he does have a pretty good understanding of what made the first one successful. And that is that sense of, of uh, you're claustrophobic, you you're don't know where things are going to be. So there's, uh, there's true danger at, at every corner. And and I think that's effective. So I would going back. So I, Alien, we talked about in our original um, review of that. It's it's like horror sci-fi, right? Like it has mm-hmm. more of a horror element because there is sort of this, you know, there's there's something in the house with you, and it has that kind of an element. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas this, I would say, is probably more action sci-fi. Yeah. In fact, in this uh, little feature that I watched, uh, Cameron was talking about his decision to play with the genre. And I thought he said something really interesting. He said, you don't create fear with gore. You create disgust. Hmm. And I thought that's an interesting take on this. Um, I don't know if that's true. You know, it could just be like, he's, he's like me and he's not like really into horror films. Right. What he was saying is you already saw the gore in the first movie. So all we have to do in this movie is remind you of what these monsters can do. And the anticipation of that is going to create the emotion. So I think just that decision kind of swaps the genre just a little bit. Yeah, because he plays with the tension, right? He, like right. even even in the the dream sequence where the aliens coming out, like it's just we almost get to it, right? And uh, with the exception of the you know the the person they find alive was like kill me, you know, like mm-hmm. that gets a little that gets a little gory, but like you need a little bit, I think, you know, to again that's sort of your reminder, you know, you don't want these characters to have to go through it. Help! What? Well, that's interesting because the person that says kill me, that was actually a deleted scene from the first movie. I mean, they reframed it and they. Yeah, because that was the Tom Skerritt, right? Right. That's right. So the thing that's most horrific about this movie was actually a scene that they stole from the deleted scene in the first movie. Right. So you could almost say that everything that Cameron's doing here really leans into action with you know clearly some practical effects that bespeak a horror film then the question is is this more action and less sci-fi yeah i would think so okay all right because i feel like the sci-fi elements are truly a backdrop right like i know when i I think of a sci-fi i mean i guess sometimes you know like we talk about sci-fi tends to have maybe sometimes a, a larger sense of like oh it's it's working allegorically maybe in mm-hmm. some way mm-hmm. whereas this one i mean i guess you can draw themes but I, yeah I mean, you got you the know, capitalism thing that you know yeah but that was also from the first one right yep. i mean we have so i mean it's not like it's and again there's nothing wrong with with saying that that is a continuing problem right at this many mm-hmm. years later but um but it doesn't to me this wasn't being that that message wasn't the story that was being told 
in this sci-fi film like the this like a sci-fi film trying to expose capitalism or critique it um this ain't it i mean it's in there but it's like there's a lot of movies that do that and so i think that that's sort of a backdrop you know to get to the because i'll be honest like the first part of this movie like the first act um it's it's fine but uh, oh i love it i love it and in fact i love everything about characters that i have an issue with the characters (laughs) are my biggest problem (laughs) the characters are fantastic well they're fantastic in the sense that they're cartoons (laughs) i love this I love this uh, this drill sergeant guy. <laughs> Sweethearts. He says another, another glorious, glorious day in the Corps. Day in the Marine Corps is like a day on the farm. Every meal is a banquet. Every paycheck a fortune. Every formation a parade. I love the Corps. I, I'm a sucker for this kind of speech, man. <laughs> I love I love that there's a guy who just see just in love with his job. And then, <laughs> and then you get then you get the guy who's like coming out of cryogenic sleep and he's like, I hate this job. She's <laughs> you know, just hitting all the right notes for me, man. It's fu- it is funny. This guy, this sergeant is like, he's he's really bad at his job. <laughs> but he loves it. He loves. His well, that's job. the reason why he loves it is because he doesn't realize how bad he is, <laughs> you know, because he's he can't keep these he can't keep paxton from losing his mind all the time <laughs> why is paxton ever anywhere how is this guy not I mean, four weeks man i had four weeks no man they would have gotten you out of there sooner game over man game over man he's got the most expressive stupid face ever like like there yeah. are people with more expressive faces and then there are people with stupider faces <laughs> But Bill Paxton has the most expressive stupid face. Ever. Yeah, with a Venn diagram of stupid face and expressive face. The, in fact, the... in weird science, they were not thinking about creating a giant turd turning a person. To... And they, they were inspired by Bill Paxton's face. They're like, you know, what we could do with that face. We could just turn him into a giant turd. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> love that guy. I love I love the trope. I love I love all the types. That you're throwing in with the, the crew, you know, you got the soldiers that are just over the top confident. Uh, you got yeah you got a few soldiers that don't want to be there. They're just there for the paycheck. Uh, yeah, this it, it hits all the right notes for me. Yeah, I mean, I can't be overly critical of this crew and then also still laud the crew that goes to find Predator. Um <laughs> I'm telling you, man, there's a lot of similarities. Well, so here's the thing is like I think they were when they did Alien versus Predator, which you know, I've only seen the one, I haven't seen the second one, but the uh I I think they kind of missed an opportunity. I think they they were focusing on the wrong thing. I want to see the Marines mm-hmm. in Aliens versus the soldiers in Predator. Like that to me is a way more compelling that's, movie. <laughs> that's more compelling. Now, here's the other thing about this crew that I like. So um one of the prominent rapists from Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> He's on the crew. Okay. So like that already, I, I already hate that guy going in. Like I, right. it's like, uh, yeah, of course Shawshank comes out after this film, but for me, he will ever forever be the Shawshank rapist. Okay. Um, so, so it was really fun to see him killed. And then I was I uh, on rewatch. I have to say I was a little disappointed that they didn't kill Bill Paxton sooner because I, you know, after a while, he's not just annoying the crew; he's starting to annoy me. 
And, uh, you know, we've seen his overacting shtick already. At some point, you got to kill that guy. Yeah, I mean, it was it, that was a little relentless. Like, it did get to a point where I'm like, okay, like, he just screamed like a few minutes ago. Can we have a second? I mean, I love the idea that nobody's punched him, right? <laughs> like, how is that happening? But yeah, it's like, because it does go from a point where you're like, okay, this is sort of your comic relief guy, right? And then the comic uh-huh. relief just turns into just, it's just incessant. And it's like, okay, now it's one <laughs> note. And so this is, I guess, where I was getting at with sort of the Cameron character development thing is these are uh-huh. very broad brushstrokes. And the problem with that is, is that to make this, to make now when you make the switch to, okay, now it's tense. Uh, uh-huh. I feel like I need to care a little bit more. And this is, so this is a criticism I have of Cameron with Avatar. And I have I think I have a criticism of, it within some of his other films um as well mm-hmm. is is he sort of takes the easy way out for uh for empathy for you to connect with a character so you get the 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 character in avatar it's like they do very little to give you anything about him or to to get you to be like to find him compelling other than the fact that he's in a wheelchair and i think his thought is he's in a wheelchair audience is already going to feel sorry for him great i've already that's mm. that chair does 50 percent of my work for me if if not more here we have it's like well we're going to throw a little girl in the mix and so that's going to create a level of tension um and but but mm. nobody else like like if everybody that goes like i mean i mean uh lance henrickson might be the only guy that i was like oh no <laughs> and he was a robot so it's like it's 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 interesting what what he does he, he, and with doing these sort of broad brush strokes is is it do sort of cut some of the um why I care that they're gonna die kind of a thing because there is a point where sure. you're like if these are so cartoonish then when they are in danger then now the danger feels like it's in that same cartoon as opposed to like they're not killing people they're killing tropes yeah I love it I mean I love it I I know that all these guys are gonna die I can't wait to see him picked off. Can't 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 wait to see him picked off. <laughs> so that's the so okay. So you're looking. I want to see like the Shawshank rapist go. I can't wait to see m- the way that Michael Bean goes. Sure. Um, for me, Michael Bean is like he's even more nostalgic because I don't remember him doing anything outside of the '90s. Right. Off the top of my head, the only one that comes to mind is Navy Seals with Charlie Sheen. All right, so he's always playing the same character, basically. Right. And 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 he's great at it, and I and that's that's fantastic. And I I honestly don't care very much about his character development. He's there to serve a purpose for this film, and he's gonna die at some point, And I'm just waiting for it to happen. He was in Tombstone. Um, he was in Tombstone. You're right. Yeah. Now that you say that, he's pretty good. I, I feel a little bit more affection. Yeah. 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 All right, I'm, and he—he's a bad guy. Right? Yeah, he's a bad guy in Tombstone. Well, you know, in the West, those lines are pretty blurred. They're all bad. <laughs> They're all bad guys in the old West. So I, I love that, you know, because I feel like if I'm too attached to any of these characters in an action movie, I'm not really excited to see them die. You know, you you want to be able to root for the action, not root for the characters as much. And then, of course, Sigourney Weaver is the one character you're supposed to care about. It's like her relationship with the, with the daughter, uh, that serves a function, and you want to see both those characters survive. That's exactly what he gives you. Um, so I don't know. With action movies, do I want to see like you break new ground, or am I just in it for the ride? Right. And it's almost like a roller coaster. Like I kind of know what the roller coaster does. 
you know, if I'm going to go on it, I know what I'm getting in for. And I feel like that's what this movie is. That's fair. Um, but I would also say that, you know, I think we should hold our roller coasters to uh, to higher uh, standards, too. <laughs> OK. All I mean, right. if you're going to do a loop to loop just to do a loop to loop, I mean, I'm out. You know, it's got to it's got to matter. OK. Um, are the uh, all right. Let me ask you this question. The scene where we're introduced to Paul Reiser, you know, the poof hair and the yeah, collar he's... up. And it's just a, just a hint that this might be a futuristic suit with the collar, you know. Right. Oh, I like it. Yeah. The collar. The collar is doing just a little bit of work. It's just a little, like a teeny bit like in the future. I love that they put like millions of dollars into fitting out these machine guns and creating these spaceships. And uh, what are they going to do for wardrobe? Mm, how about a bandana <laughs> and a flipped up collar? Yeah, because they're coming. I like the idea that that the fashion person was just like, like, okay, so I'm bring you in. You know, this is going to be like a uh, hundred years into the future. All right, so like, what do you think? How do you think uh, clothes have evolved? Um, the three piece suit is timeless and perfect. I don't think anything changes. Like, well, can we just do something? <sighs> Fine, starch the collar. It's- Starts the collar. That gives us the, clearly. This is not of this era. <laughs> the cor- the corporate world has not changed at all. <laughs> so, all right. So he comes in. He explains to her that she's been floating in space for fifty seven years. But it turns out that that's actually a dream sequence. So, are we supposed to think that she actually was there for fifty seven years? Yeah, that was a part where I was I was confused because when because i'm like okay was that a dream she had like maybe she did know that she'd been asleep for 57 years and that part's already happened and this was her right having a dream about that like but it went differently or or is the whole thing yeah i don't i don't well she has to have been asleep long enough for there to be a a colony that took decades to terraform right Right. so it's got to at least be 20 years i mean i think i think it 57 sounds about right the dream sequence is to is to inform as well. Okay, that's what I. Th- I that's how I read it. Okay, because I didn't. I didn't feel like there was a the, like. There would be no need to do that, unless you're gonna and have that be part of the dream. Unless you're gonna you're gonna refer to it later, like to either debunk it or to create more confusion. You know, and then uh-huh. to have it be like a reveal later that like, oh, you told me it was 57 years, but it really wasn't. How long was that really? You know, something like that. But it doesn't show up again. So I feel like they it's like, here's a dream sequence. It also serves a narrative purpose. Uh, you figure out that she's already learned this already. So that that's kind of how I. Read it. OK. All right. So I think that works for me. All right. So if that's the case. OK, not only is Sigourney Weaver a grown ass woman. Mm. She's at least 57 years your se- senior. Yeah. Why are you calling her kiddo? <laughs> like, <laughs> like I know that you're supposed to trust this guy early on, right? Like he's supposed to have a face you can trust. That's why you cast yeah. Paul Reiser, right? But right, because in space, no one can hear your misogyny. <laughs> and he calls her kiddo a lot. I mean, this this woman is older than your grandmother. You know, Paul Reiser. Uh, we talk about him in our Stranger Things podcast. It's like it's good to see him back. I was always, I was always a Paul Reiser guy. He's the guy you bring in for this. He's a perfect person for this role, right? Because right. you need someone who's believably trustworthy. 
which I think he he can pull off pretty. I think well. he's believably trustworthy, and he's also believably he a believable heel. It doesn't feel that's like... right. And when he turns, you're like, of course you turn, you corporate, you know, right. greedy son of a bitch, right? Um, right. You know, so he I, he's perfect for this job. And yeah, um, and so that's why I think in Stranger Things it makes it so compelling too, because you're like, which version am I getting mad about uh-huh. you? Am I getting aliens? <laughs> or am I getting am I getting Beverly Hills cop where it's like he's he's not a great person, but like mm-hmm. he's not a terrible person. He's just kind of slimy, you know. Uh yeah, it's funny. It's like he could have I mean, I think Mad About You changed his trajectory because I think he was like if he was just a stick with films, he he was probably headed towards like Dabney Coleman level, right? Like we're just <laughs> Because Dabney was always like, he's always a bit shady. And like, even when he was like a good guy, you're like, do I still trust you? I've seen you do too many things. I don't know if I can ever trust anyone named Dabney. <laughs> have we ever, have, have Dabney and Sigourney worked together? Because I think that's. <laughs> What's more terrifying, the um, the giant monster or the tiny larval spiders? Yeah, those are pretty, those are pretty rough. I. Man, watching that lay eggs, that was that was that was sufficiently uh, grotesque. I like that. It was pretty gross, but I I think that for me it's these pinkish spider creatures that are being hatched. Yeah. Like for me that's more grotesque than than the giant monster. Yeah, I always feel like the giant. Well, so <laughs> comparing the the alien in alien versus the aliens in aliens. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I mean, there's there's a lot more going on. It seems like, right? I mean, like, it's a really clever design. Um, it's we get a much bigger because this is a big deal, right? Because like when you when a sequel comes out and there's time in between, um, the the level of expectation and the level of uh, anticipation and what are you going to do mm-hmm. to to wow me now? Uh, like all those things like add to to such a uh, a, a dangerous game, right? I mean, who knows what's going to happen. Um, you know, and with Terminator, at least he was like sequeling himself. So it's like he was he's like, look, I can live and die by this, right? Like mm-hmm. this is this is me. Whereas you take this film that um I think, you know, I mean it obviously did well and, and it's and it is so attributed to to Ridley Scott that you know to take over and and what happens if if you know it, it, I, to be honest, I think like I, maybe you're this way because you saw aliens right before you saw alien. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So when you think of the world of Alien, you may attribute it uh, initially to Cameron before you. I think so. It. I think that's yeah. that's right. But I do think that there's something that's even more pronounced about that problem because this isn't even trying to be like, okay, now we're gonna go meet Ripley somewhere else in her life. Right. This is the kind of sequel that's gonna pick up right where you left off. You know, at least for for at least for Ripley. That's right. For Ripley, the last thing that we saw was that she was floating away. And now we're seeing her wake up from that very moment, right? So you need to have some kind of almost seamless transition. So to do that with the conscious awareness that you're actually messing with the genre a little bit, that's pretty tricky. Yeah. But I I do feel like he pulls it off. I and and it very it very well could be that that it's because I saw this movie first. Right. That's how I feel about it. Um, maybe if, if you're a alien purist, you have a different view of this. Right. Well, I mean, it, it's not like Ridley Scott um, comes back to the franchise right away either. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. 
uh alien uh three that's um finchner right that's right and i've i've never seen it i love him i've heard that's not a great movie no, and I, everyone, I mean, I, I, I've tried to, I've considered the revisit. Yeah. Uh, the first time I saw it, I fell asleep in the theater. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> and, and that was that. <laughs> and so, and my, so I was kind of like, again, later, later to the Alien franchise, but I hadn't seen Aliens until maybe a couple years ago, maybe, maybe two, three years ago. Mm-hmm. And I had seen Alien a couple times and i really liked alien and like my wife and her family were really into alien and so they would watch them all like so i think they had like a, a, a all the way through resurrection because i don't think prometheus had been out had come out uh-huh. yet. um and so like no idea about uh alien uh resurrection at all um i have i mean and i don't think that one did very well either but and so alien 3 was actually i think the first alien i ever attempted to see because i went to the movie theater with with uh some buddies when it came out um you know in high school and i just i slept through the whole thing and again i didn't i I knew of it it was kind of like in the jaws world i'm like Mm -hmm. i think it's these have been on enough where i feel like i get it um but alien 2 or aliens when i went and saw when i saw that a couple years ago i was kind of like okay this this is very different um and i understand why it was so it was like the right alien movie for that time because that's like there was that's exactly what people wanted right at that time, like in terms of like their big movies. In uh, Alien Three, I think attempts to go back to that first kind of like make it a little more horrific. So uh, it's, it's it's fascinating to me because I love the director. I think that that was his. I think he had done like some rock videos before this, and that was kind of his first big film, Finchner. Um, I think he might be right. I like the franchise. I like the return to horror. It sounds like all of these are kind of conspiring to make this an interesting film for me to watch. So I, I'm curious. I, I'd be curious to to have a look at that one. Yeah, I think it's one that you 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 put a lot of the the like you put the plot, you put the director, you put all that kind of stuff, and you lay it out, and you go, yeah, this 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 should be good, and it just isn't. <laughs> well, that's the other thing that is I've got going for me: low expectations. True. True. So I'm not sure. Not not sure how I'll feel. I, I probably will watch it. And see see how I feel about it. So I think that we're both agreed that this is more action, right? Right. And my sense of you is that you do enjoy a good action film from time to time. Oh, I, quite a bit. So if you were, if I was going to ask you, like, what are your favorite action movies? Yeah, no, I love I love RoboCop. I love uh, Predator. Um, I really, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, I like movies like, like Big Trouble in Little China, right? But that, that's, okay. that's an interesting comedy action, right? And uh-huh. you know, again, again, I also maybe put John Carpenter in a different category of, of enjoyment. But yeah, no, I like, I like a good, uh, I love the John Wicks. Oh, baby, you know, I, I'm a, I love So it's John so Wick. interesting. I think that you and I have a lot of similar movie tastes. Um, but I I put together my top action films, none of which you just mentioned. Mm-hmm. So uh, I I wrote down Aliens, T two, Mission Impossible, and The Bourne Identity. Yeah, love the oh I like that too, yeah. Bourne movie. So today. I think you know it's, it's some some I guess similar, but not. Uh, it sounds like my rush Mount Rushmore is 
uh, altogether different than your Mount Rushmore. Well, those are also, yeah, kind of top of the head type thing. And RoboCop, it is action, but I think also RoboCop is it's it is pretty good sci-fi too. I re- also speaking of action films that like do they hold up? I rewatched uh, Total Recall the other day. That's mm-hmm. that's a journey. <laughs> it is a journey. I feel like that film. I think that that's still a lot of fun. I don't, I don't, I oh, don't yeah. necessarily need it to hold up. For instance, uh, that's the kind of film that doesn't necessarily have to hold up for me to continue to enjoy it. Uh, I don't know. What was your experience? I was saying, I mean, it, it doesn't, I mean, the reasons it doesn't hold up is probably the best reason to watch it. <laughs> Damn it. Corrigan. They just want air. Give these people air. <laughs> Is Arnold Schwarzenegger a good actor? Uh, no. I mean, I, I would I would tend to say absolutely not. And yet, one of the most successful actors ever. And one of the most quotable, right? So And so successful that he became the governor of California. That's how successful of an actor he was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He was a better bodybuilder than he was an actor, for sure. Right? There's right. no doubt about that. But that's, the, the bodybuilder element did not get him to the governor's mansion in Sacramento. <laughs> no, no, it, no. it was, it was absolutely predator. It had to be, it had to be right. I mean, that's uh... <laughs> did, did this movie have a, a trope, a device, a cliche that you enjoyed? Uh, yeah, well, I, I, I did enjoy, uh, I, I do like a, a rough and tumble ensemble, right? I, I love, I mean, like, as much as I, I poo-poo their development, I mean, they did everything they're supposed to do. That's what that's I mean, what I'm trying to say, man. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I mean, there's, there's, I'm not, I'm not, and I'm not sitting here saying Aliens. I think Aliens is great. I think it's, I think it's a super fun ride. I think, I think uh, it's, it, it checks almost every box. It, um, it's a, it, it's a very bold take to, especially because the first one was so quiet. Right. I mean, uh-huh. other than the, the incessant alarm sounds, <laughs> but like there was again, it really played so much more on the claustrophobia. And for this one to be that much bigger, to have this many more aliens. Uh-huh. And it's like it's it's uh, it, to to usually if you go bigger, you run the risk of losing the That's charm. Right. That's right? right. And and I think I think Cameron pulls off a pretty amazing feat in that even at the moments where maybe he is going away from what made the first one successful, he's created something new and exciting with it. Right. And that's what you want in a sequel. I mean, like in many ways you can, you know, you could talk about aliens as sort of like, that's, that's the approach. Mm -hmm. Take me to the universe, take me to the world that I, that I knew before. Maybe you're going to bring me a character from that or two. Um, don't be thematically don't don't shift too much thematically mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um so that so that it feels homogenous it feels like it's a it's that same story that can or that can can now be this but also have the courage to do something different and have the courage to do something mm-hmm. bigger and mm-hmm. and uh and like you know and, and as we will get to when we get to gremlins too which of course is the you know sort of the apex the 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 peak what you're supposed to do to take a franchise to a new level. And it just was too far ahead of its time with this one. It's fundamentally different because 
the first alien was like these guys are truckers basically they're basically like right. space truckers so they're kind of badasses but they're not military right they're not they don't right. have the best weapons they don't they're not trained to fight these things so once you get this monster on board it's like they're going to do their best but they're basically truckers this one is like okay now we're going to see an army of aliens against a platoon. Right. And I think that that these guys are trained. For right. This. So They're... at that point, it's like, that sounds like an action movie, you know, cause you actually right. want there to be some kind of contest. You don't want them to just com- be completely destroyed. Yeah. And I think it, and, and that's where I think the movie is very clever too, right? Like, okay, well this time we're going against the alien, but we're, we we're prepared. We're, we've, we've read the report. We're, we're heavily armed, uh, but then you get in there and it's like, well, well, the way the place is designed, you can't shoot. All right, well now we're neutralized a little bit, right? right? So, so it starts to strip down some of their their capabilities, and uh, you know, and Ripley, while you know she wasn't ever trained for this, her she survived it, so she knows it firsthand. So she kind of has a better sense of of what it you know what they're up against, at least in terms of tactics and whatnot. So I think there's um, so she makes for a compelling hero. Uh, it is interesting to see what she's um, become, you know, whereas the first one was just like, it was, like I said, she was a part of a trucking unit and then she survived. Mm-hmm. Now she's like, she's you know, full badass, which is, you know, I don't know, 57 years is asleep. You know, I'll probably be less badass. <laughs> if they were to make a movie about me coming out of 57 years of cryostasis, it's not called aliens. It's just called groggy. <laughs> I, I love all right coffee. here's a trope i like i like anything where you've got to strap two guns together in this case she <laughs> straps a blowtorch to a grenade launcher which is also a gun right. so i i don't know that that's the the safest thing to do <laughs> but but i i'm in, i'm all in i'm all in like yep that sounds that that's exactly what i do love that Love, I, I love a blowtorch scene. I think that if it's an action movie, that's there should be a requirement that you have to use a blowtorch at some point. Yeah, blowtorches are pretty great. And I like that she okay, so here's the thing I like an alien that knows how to use an elevator, <laughs> right? They've, they've, they've come a long way in 57 years because this way, you know, you're not really sure like how smart these things are. You know, they could they, they figure out how to cut the power, so they've got a I want to see it in the elevator, like when it's just waiting. Like, does it tap its fingers? <laughs> is it impatient? Arms crossed? Is it just? I mean, like, I love the I like because to me, to me, that's like that's a that that's a chimpanzee and people close moment. You know, it's like everything's different. See, I think I think if you think back to the first movie, the one thing that we learn about the alien is that she likes to fit into tight spaces. Mm, right. You know, she she goes she goes into the the escape pod and like just tucks herself back into that little that storage shelf or whatever. So the, you know, Ripley thought that she was getting rid of the alien by using the elevator. No, 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 no. The elevator is the natural habitat mm-hmm. of the alien. That's the one thing that, that this alien knows how to use. In fact, <laughs> yeah. they were just dormant until the, until the colony built an elevator. <laughs> Even the escalator, they're like, <laughs> 
is this movie better, worse, or on par with a Ron Howard movie? I was probably like a Ron Howard plus three. Yeah, I think so. I, I, I'm probably going to do that. And I feel like Ron Howard's going to get a lot more out of Bill Paxton. And I think it, it ruins mm-hmm. the performance. Yeah, I think that's a that's a good that's a good way to put it, right? I mean, I think the things that make aliens work, like like I said, I wasn't, I didn't, I maybe maybe Ron Howard develops the characters a little differently or a little bit more, but I don't think he dispatches them with the same relative glee that James Cameron is able to do. So, is there a half the battle one to grow on element to this movie? If mama ain't happy, nobody credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.